Uh, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you and bring you God's word from James chapter 2. Uh, a special welcome to those who are new or visiting. It's good to have you along with us. Uh, keep your Bibles open to James chapter 2. Uh, and if you have the handouts, that will also help you to follow along. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've started a series on real faith. Um, and real faith is um, lived out in, in our lives. It's, it's about the practice. So if you have real faith, if you have a, if you have a living faith, uh, James shows us what that looks like in different situations. The first week, we looked at how real faith impacts the way we go through trials. Uh, and last week, uh, we looked at how real faith, uh, a living faith, helps us engage with God's word, helps us live out God's word. And today we'll be looking at how real faith uh, helps us treat others impartially. Uh, so before I read James chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, uh, let me pray and ask for God's help. Our gracious Father in heaven, uh, we thank and praise you for allowing us to gather in this country uh, to hear your word read and preached without persecution. Uh, please help us to put away distractions from our minds and, and thoughts that might uh, keep us from really listening to your word. Please enable us to sit under your word and to humbly uh, put it into practice. Uh, please convict and challenge those who are comfortable and complacent. And please soothe those of us who are struggling, who are afflicted. Please renew our minds and encourage us, embolden us to live out what you are calling us to do in this passage and live lives worthy of the gospel. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, so James chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. It says, let's hear God speak. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honourable name by which you were called? If you really fulfil the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. 
for judgment is without mercy to the to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, this is the word of the Lord. Don't judge a book by its cover, or so the saying goes. But studies upon studies show us that's exactly what we tend to do. It, it may not come as a shock to you, uh, but the more attractive you are, the better you're treated in the world. And the same goes for those who are rich. The doors will open for you. People will treat you differently if they perceive you are wealthy. It feels so normal and natural to make these distinctions, doesn't it? You see, in our world, what tends to happen is if you're rich and if you're beautiful, our people will treat you well. But if you're unattractive and if you're poor, people will treat you poorly. Now, that's the sad reality of our world, uh, particularly in our culture where beauty and wealth are promoted and desired, becoming idols that people live for, that people die for. And it was a similar situation for the people that James is writing to. You see, they were treating people differently, and it was normal. It was widely accepted. It was not frowned upon like it is in our day and age. So James writes this divinely inspired letter to address, among other things, the issue of partiality, the issue of favoritism and discrimination. Treating, treating people special at the expense of others. I'm sure I don't need to tell you that this is radioactive in our culture out there, is it not? You know, people are discriminating for, you know, how people look based on the colour of their skin, supposedly, and, and uh, you know, all those issues with gender and identity. And so our passage is written not just for James's audience, but also for us to show us how God desires us to treat different people, uh, how God wants us to treat people regardless of what they look like or what they have. And so the big question today, uh, which is written in your handouts, is how can we treat people impartially? Uh, firstly, we need to look beyond appearances. The point that James is making in this section is quite simple. Uh, we shouldn't be treating people uh, with partiality, with favoritism or discrimination. He says it there in verse 1. Look there with me. It says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. You see, real faith, if you have real faith, you won't be partial. You won't play favourites, you won't discriminate based on what you see. You see, why, why is James writing this uh, to uh, his audience? Well, it's very likely that they are doing exactly what the world is doing, that they are judging people based on what they look like. And we see it very clearly with James's illustration uh, in verses 2 and 3. Uh, look with me for a moment. It says, for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, 
or sit down at my feet. You see, you can picture it, can't you? Just imagine it's packed here on Sunday. There's only one seat available and two guys rock up. One wearing very expensive clothing. He looks good. And one in what the passage says looks like a homeless man. He's in filthy rags. The, the shabby clothing is a polite translation, but literally it means he's dirty, he's filthy, he's unclean. So these two guys walk in. What do you do? What would you do? What should we do? You see, it's hard not to, to, to treat people based on what they appear like to us. It's very easy to do. Now you know, I do this all the time. Uh, sometimes I do it in obvious ways. Sometimes we can do it in obvious ways where we give someone the VIP treatment. Uh, in, in my own heart, I know that if someone has, you know, good value, their leadership potential, I tend to gravitate towards them. And James is saying, that's not good. You're basing your actions based on what they look like. But, you know, we can also do this in subtle ways too by perhaps avoiding certain people or making up excuses not to go towards certain people based on what they look like. See, what's the, what's the big problem anyway with all of this? Well, James tells us specifically there in verse 4. He says this, Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Literally, making distinctions is passing judgment. So you see someone and you go, I know your value based on what I can perceive. And it's so easy to do. You see, it's not a problem looking at people and trying to understand them, you know, trying to understand their situation. The problem is how we respond, how we react to that information in our brains. And James is saying we shouldn't show partiality. We should look beyond appearances and move towards them. See, God is saying through James that treating other people based on what they look like alone, that's evil thinking. That's evil thoughts. So, you know, rolling out the red carpet for people who are impressive, they look impressive. The, the fine clothing in this passage literally means bright clothing. They're, they're dressed up. They're impressive. Rolling out the red carpet for such people, well, that's an evil way of thinking about it. And same with the opposite, avoiding or moving away from people because they don't look like they belong in polite company, oh, that's evil thinking too. The interesting part of our passage, or one of the interesting things I found in our passage is all the yous, where it says you do this and you do that in our passage, they're all plural. So if we're in America and I was in the South, I'd say y'all, you all. It's about all of us. So James is saying we all have a responsibility here on how we treat people and it shouldn't be based on appearance. And so how are we going as a church in this about looking beyond appearances? Uh, do we treat different people differently based on what they look like? Do we welcome the, the rough or the awkward or the poor, the down and outs, those who look like they're having a rough go of things. Are we a welcoming church? Uh, we are in a very unique uh, geographic position. We've got the poor of the poor and the rich of the rich, almost neighbours here in our community. And so we have a responsibility to look beyond appearances 
and to move towards people and not show favoritism. No one should feel rejected or judged based on what they look like when they come into our church or they engage with God's people during the week. But what about you? What about you specifically? Not just us, but what about you? How are you going about looking at looking beyond appearances? Are you willing to be inconvenienced and move towards people that are less fortunate than you, that look differently than you do? Now, what, what, what might this look like? Well, it, it might look like not uh, always talking to the same people you do uh, throughout the week or after the service, but looking out for someone who's alone, who doesn't quite, uh, isn't quite in your life stage, going towards them and not just staying all comfortable and over here. You see, we need to treat people. How we treat people should be shaped by our faith, our real faith. And the second thing we can do uh, to treat people impartially is to model God's attitude. Uh, God actually shows us how to treat others in how he treats us. And verse 5 shows God's gracious attitude towards us. This is the key verse. Look with me. It says, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? You see it there, can't you? God honours and blesses those who are poor in the world, those who are aware of their need and their poverty, and he moved towards them. God promises those who love him to be rich in faith, to be heirs in his kingdom. And in contrast to that gracious attitude that God shows us that we ought to model, James then unpacks how the world usually treats those who are poor and vulnerable. Look, look at verses 6 and 7 with me. It says, Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honourable name by which you were called? Um, all the questions in our passage are rhetorical, I'm sure you know. And, that, and that, the Greek is a beautiful language, unlike English, but in Greek you can write a sentence that has a question mark, but also in brackets the answer to the question, and all the questions in our passage have the answer yes. Yes, yes, yes. As in, yes, the rich are oppressing you, yes, the rich are dragging you into court, and yes, they are blaspheming uh, the name by which you were called. And so it seems that the rich in this particular situation, are what are they doing? They're looking after themselves. They're stepping over those who are poor, who are vulnerable, who are weak. Whereas God moves towards people. He gets in the way. He blesses and he promises great things to those who are less fortunate. He treats us better than we deserve. And that's grace. That's grace. If you were to think of a time in your life when you were on the receiving end of you know, mistreatment, injustice, discrimination, I'm sure you were outraged and angry that you were, you were just sick to your stomach, that people could do this to another human being and get away with it. And it's right that we think that. We, we should hate injustice and discrimination and the abuse of power and wealth. These things should make us angry. But the response isn't to take it out 
on the rich or something like that. No, it's to model ourselves after God's gracious attitude. It's See, the rich in this passage see people as a means to an end, uh, to use people to prop themselves up or step over them if they're in the way, whereas God is the opposite. He graciously intervenes. He graciously raises up and blesses those who love him, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what they have in the bank. And how does God show us all this? Well, it's through the gospel, of course. See, in the gospel, we see our need and our poverty, that we are desperate, that we truly are poor, weak, filthy sinners before a holy God. And yet, while we were like that, while we were repugnant, God came to us, didn't he, by sending Jesus to die in our place. Our sin makes us unclean before God, and yet he's done something about it. He's enabled us to be washed clean uh, so that we can be clothed in Jesus' perfect work. So now we can trust in the risen Lord Jesus, trust uh, and have faith in him, the Lord of glory, because we have been brought into God's family, able to have peace with God. See, all this is promised to us, to those who love God. I hope and I pray that 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 is you this morning. Uh, If that is not you, if you do not love God in this way, uh, please talk to someone. Uh, Talk to the person you came with. Talk to me. Talk to Jared. He's out the back, I think. Don't leave here without doing business with God. Make sure you you are on the receiving end of his grace. Uh, Because there's no point in trying to live his way if you don't have real faith. There's no point in trying to treat people impartially and think that that's okay when you reject God. You see, the gospel, the good news, reveals God's attitude towards us. The poor are richly blessed. The filthy are washed and dressed. That is how our attitude should be to the poor, to the vulnerable, to the down and outs, to the outcasts in our society. And Jesus, remember, though he was rich, yet for our sake became poor, so that in his poverty we might become rich. That's what this is saying. So what might that look like? Uh, See, James is very practical. He gives us very practical things to do. Uh, If you look at verse 6, you just do the opposite of the starting uh, sentence in verse 6. You have dishonoured the poor man, it says. So we should be honouring the poor, the marginalised, the victims, We shouldn't treat them like the world does. We should be gracious towards them. We should seek to bless them and raise them up. Uh, And secondly, we should model ourselves after God's grace by looking not to oppress, not to step over, not to use what we have against others, uh, but to build up, to bless. That's what we are to do. Our faith in God uh, should Chained, it should enhance the way that we treat others. So, if that's not happening in your life, if you're not if you're not modelling God's attitude, His gracious attitude to others, then you need to be asking yourself why. Why is that the case? Perhaps you need to repent today and say, you know, God, I'm sorry that I am not as merciful and as gracious as you are. Please help me. I don't leave here without uh, doing business with God. 
Uh, the third thing uh, we can do to treat others impartially is to practice mercy. Uh, we should be um, practicing mercy as much as possible. Uh, James moves now to show us what real faith looks like in how we should uh, treat others. In verse 8, he gives us uh, two ways we can do this. One is in verse 8, and I'll read it for us. It says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, love your you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. So there it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. This comes straight out of our first uh, Bible reading in Leviticus 9. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And many of you will um, be aware that Jesus, of course, uh, sums up the law in this way with two of the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. And so that's the heart of all of this. You can't say you love your neighbour and yet you discriminate against him. You can't say, you know, I'm obeying God by loving my neighbour where and neglecting those who are poor, who are weak, who are vulnerable. It just does not uh, compute. You see, James makes it abundantly clear, in case we missed it, in verse 9, that partiality and favoritism, discrimination, all of this is sin and is opposed to real faith. Look at verse 9. It says, But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. You see, we shouldn't try and deceive ourselves into thinking that we can do all this fancy law stuff, do all this good work, and yet not have to treat people with dignity and respect and honour. That's what James is saying here, that we shouldn't be playing favourites and chumming up to people who are like us, who look like us, who talk like us, and avoiding others who don't. And we shouldn't be treating people um, well at the expense of others. It just does not work. Uh, James goes on to say in verses 10 and 11 that if you break one part of the law, you break all of it. Uh, look with me at verses 10 and 11, and we'll, we'll unpack it. It says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point of it has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. You see, the law is one big whole package. I don't know how you think of the law as God's law, a bunch of rules, you know, one to whatever it is. No, you can't just break one part and have it not all shattered. It's kind of like glass. If you have a big, nice, beautiful glass window, a little chink in it, the whole thing shatters. So that's what James is describing here. It's not like 10-pin bowling where if you just knock over one, it's no big deal, nine are still up, that's okay. What's well, the opposite of rules? Anyway, uh, <laughs> The law is, there's a unity in the law. You can't say you love God with all your heart and yet you disobey him, right? And, and treat others however you want. You can't say, okay, I'll love my neighbor and have nothing to do with God. It just doesn't make sense. It's all interconnected. I hope you can see that. And so that's what James is saying. If you break one part, say the part of being playing favorites, being, being partial, um, discriminating, then you're, you're in sin. There's guilt there. You are actually a lawbreaker. It's a package deal. And it points to our need for Jesus to complete the whole law for us in our place. 
And so that's one thing we should be doing to practice mercy, by loving our neighbours as ourselves. Uh, the second thing uh, we should be doing actually comes in verse 12. Uh, it says this, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. And so we saw this last week in verse 25, this law of liberty, this law of freedom. Uh, James is describing the entire law, and he's saying that it actually brings us freedom. And, you know, that's you know odd. Law and freedom don't usually mix. Uh, but remember, the law shows us what we're like deep down, and it actually shows us how we're to live as God's created people, right? How God actually designed us to live. He's given us the appropriate parameters. For those of you who are engineers, he's given us all the specs, right, of how to live in his world, his way. And so James is saying the same thing that he said in the previous section, where to speak and where to act according to this law of liberty, this law of love, as Jesus summed up, love God, love others as yourself. And so you're free. You're free if you're if Jesus has done the law for you, you're free to, to love others as much as you want, to show mercy as much as you want. Just, just go nuts. There's no limits on what you can do, right? That's what James is getting at. God's word gives us all we need uh, to love others and show mercy, to practice mercy. Uh, if you want to know what mercy looks like, uh, just look at the way Jesus showed mercy to others. You know, what did Jesus do? He, he healed people who were in need. He fed people who were hungry. He welcomed tax collectors and sinners to himself, right? And, of course, the ultimate way he shows uh, his um, love and mercy towards us is by reconciling us to God, by dying in our place. He took a great cost so that we could be united and reconciled to God. And if you want to know what mercy looks like, just look at the cross. Look at the free forgiveness offered to us, our past washed away, our sin cancelled on the cross, right? That's mercy. We're treated not like we deserve. We're treated better than we deserve. And so that's the kind of mercy we are to model, right? That's the kind of mercy we are to practice. The mercy we have received is supposed to motivate us. You know, we shouldn't look down on people who don't look like us. You know, you know the saying, there but by the grace of God go I. That's me if God was not gracious to me. Before I was a Christian, I used to, uh, well, get into trouble a lot, you might say. And so there was a lot of points in my life where it could have go, gone south. There's a lot of close calls. I'm not proud of this, of course. Um, but God showed his grace. He came to me in the gospel of grace and said, look, you're trying to, you know, you're getting in a lot of trouble. You're trying to be good. It's not working out. But you, what you need is Jesus. What you need to see is you can't save yourself, Mitch. Right? And I got that from the gospel, from God's word. So God's mercy arrested me, humbled me, brought me to my knees, and now motivates me to, to live his way. And I, you know, ask anyone, I don't do this perfectly, of course. Uh, but we are to be striving to practice mercy, uh, modelled after what God has done for us. 
You see, showing mercy to others uh, actually reveals whether we have real faith or not. Uh, And it might be that if you're not showing mercy to others, you might be heading towards judgment. Uh, Look, that's what verse 13 says. Uh, Read it with me. It says, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. You see, God's judgment is without mercy to those who aren't in the habit of showing mercy. So if you're not in the habit of practicing mercy, you should beware. Uh, Because uh, it may be shown that you may be shown no mercy when you're face to face with the living God. Uh, Jesus warns us of this himself in the parable of the unmerciful servant. Uh, If you can recall that parable, uh, it's a good one, a challenging one, where there's, there's a servant who has a massive debt to his master, right? And his master graciously, mercifully clears the debt. But then some other servant owes him just a little bit of money and he, he goes nuts at this guy, right? He beats him up and starts saying, give me the money that you owe me. And what happens? It all blows up in his face because he's not showing the mercy that he had received to others. But do you see that? It actually revealed that his heart hadn't changed. And so, what about you? Uh, how are you going at practicing mercy? Is your life marked uh, by practicing mercy to others who are less fortunate than you, who are vulnerable, who are weak, who are lost? Are you willing to suffer lost for the sake of others like Jesus did? Are you willing to love others as you love yourself, even if people don't deserve it? Are you willing to practice mercy, to move towards the broken, the the victims, the hurting people around you? And remember, it's, it's God's mercy that enables us to do this. It's his mercy and grace that enables us to actually avoid judgment. That's what the last line in verse 13 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. That's what it means. And so one of the marks of real faith is a life of mercy towards others. And so today we've seen how we can treat others impartially by looking beyond appearances, by modelling God's attitude, and by practising mercy. Uh, It won't be easy, of course. It'll be very difficult. It'll be countercultural. Why treat the down and outs well when if you treat the rich and the people who will be able to give you a return, uh, it'll benefit you? Uh, But that's not the gospel. You see, God has actually given us all we need to do this. He's given us his spirit to empower us to live his way. We've got his word to guide us and to instruct, to teach, correct and reprove us so we can live out this way. And we've got each other. We've got God's people to your right and to your left. You've got God's people to encourage you and to challenge you in this. Imagine the gospel impact we could have in Frankston if we were known for looking beyond appearances and for modelling ourselves after God's gracious attitude and for practising mercy to those who don't deserve it in our community. Imagine the opportunities God might provide for you Uh, If you selflessly love people, uh, love people who are overlooked in society, who are avoided in society. 
May God enable us to put into practice what he is calling us all to do. Uh, Let me ask for his help. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise and adore you for the work that you have done for us in Christ, the Lord of glory. Uh, We confess that we find it so, so difficult to treat people well uh, when we think that they might not uh, look the part, when we uh, think that they don't deserve it, Lord. Uh, Please humble us. Please help us see the grace and mercy that you show to us by sending Jesus to die in our place on the cross. Uh, Please enable that to motivate us to to really look beyond appearances and to to model our our lives after the way you graciously uh, bless us and to practice mercy as much as possible. Not so that we would be puffed up or, or made great, but so that your name would be made great among the nations. We ask that you would heal this land through your people, through by your spirit. Please enable us to, to change, to grow, to be more like Christ. And we ask it all for the glory of your great name. Amen.